do you have some teens that might be having some challenges in school or sports or at home? This speaker will help us. Building spirituality, family, health, and business. This is The Giant Builders with Lois Wyant. Welcome, Giant Builders. I hope you're having a wonderful day. And I want to let you know that I appreciate so much you being here and listening. Today, our guest is Amy Saloner, in which case, if you have teenagers, then this will be a great podcast for them or for you. So hi, Amy. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Nice to see you. Thanks. You too. So please tell me, what do you do? So... Well, by training, I'm a licensed clinical social worker, which means I was trained as a therapist. Um, I worked primarily with children and families for um, a number of years. Um, And then I went back to school to become a nutritional therapist. So what I did was combine all of my passions, things for health and well-being, um, working with children and families, to creating a, a practice and a business that Um, focuses primarily on launching young adults into or teens into young adulthood um, with resilience and uh, feeling empowered and um, capable. So So I work, yeah, I work. Oh, I can say, go ahead. (laughs) I work, um, I don't work as a therapist so much anymore. I'm more of a coach. So I work both with teens and with their parents um, in different capacities to first assess uh, what is going on. So usually there's something happening. There's um, some sort of emotional, behavioral, relational, um, maybe even school or sport related um, challenges that they may be having. And I do pretty in-depth assessment Um, I look at four different pillars in my work uh, around uh, very holistically looking at what is happening for this teen, for this family. And then I work with them to understand what's happening and uh, build strategies and um, tools to cope in their life. So yeah, those are, that's sort of the, the way that I operate. Okay, well, I'm very interested because Giant Builders has four bil- four pillars as well. So what are your okay. four pillars? So the first one is the body. So we can't understand really what's happening until we understand physiologically what's happening. And that can include our nervous system. It can include our nutrition. It can include, you know, anything related to um, what is happening, our, our genetics, our um, brain, our neurodiversity, what is happening physiologically in the person. You can't ignore that in anything that we do. Um, and then we look at the mind. So what is our processing? What is our, um, what are our skills? So we have hard skills like uh, life skills of, you know, how do we take care of ourselves? How do we, um, you know, do the daily tasks that we need to do? And are we able to do those? Um, or And also our soft skills, our relational skills. How do we communicate? How do we connect with other people? Then the third pillar is our relationships, which, you know, each of these connect to each other, but how are our relationships? How do we know what our needs are and are able to communicate those effectively, our boundaries, our capacities to um, express those needs and get them met? And then the final piece is our purpose. So everybody has, you know, we're here to do things and to be um, something to, to be 
um, contributing to the world that we live in. And some kids just don't feel connected to that purpose yet. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Um, that's what coaching is for, is it helps us to, um, to explore who that person is, what their strengths are, what their capacities are, and help them find their purpose in the world. So when we connect all four of these dots and find the ways um, where there may be challenges and fill in the gaps with skills um, and connection, then we can usually help our teens find their way. Do you find one of those pillars to be a little bit more troublesome than others at times, or is it? It depends. So, um, you know, it's different for every single person. And I, even as a nutritional therapist, I don't have one particular way that I, you know, look at food. Everybody is bio-individual. So that's why when I work with families, I do a pretty comprehensive assessment um, on all these pillars and understanding what's really happening because it can be different for everybody. Um, it just depends. Okay. So what does a first meeting look like with you? Well, first meeting is really understanding what the challenges are. So I have pretty comprehensive assessments. I'm also trained in doing blood chemistry. So um, I can have somebody do blood work if that's what makes sense. Particularly, you know, I find um, one of the really thing, the things that I'm passionate about is the intersection between mental health and nutrition. And that we have, it's a growing trend of understanding that there are all these other pieces that go into how our mental health is more than just, you know, that there's something wrong with us. We're not, there's not, there's usually aspects of things that are, that we can mitigate to help understand. Usually for people when they have chronic things like depression, anxiety, attention challenges, there are, um, nutrient deficiencies or toxicities that are happening. And when we can identify those, usually we can make, you know, a pretty big impact. Um, those, I think the, the nutrition pieces are actually a pretty easy thing to see the changes. Um, but beginning to work with me means that we do some in-depth assessment. I use some assessment tools. We, we talk, we, I ask a lot of questions. We explore what's working, what's not working. And then we create goals together as to based on these four pillars, where are the, where are the places that you find um, you're finding the most challenge or that you want the most support. And we start there. But usually by the time um, a few weeks in, we're hitting on all of them because they all connect and intersect with each other. So how do you connect somebody with their purpose? I mean, I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. So how do you connect somebody with that? Well, that takes, um, first of all, understanding who you are. Um, so part of it is like, who who am I? And the, and who are you in relation to the we of the world that you live in? So I, we call this the me within the we. That who am I? What what are my strengths? What are my capacities? Because, you know, everybody may have a vision of what they want to do with their life, but does that match with the skills and capacities that you have? So do you need to build skills or do you need to recognize where your limitations are and choose things that um, really suit your needs and your passions. Um, so it's really um, that piece is a little bit about, um, you know, how do we how do we understand who you are? But then 
it's also about how the community and the family holds that person and understands who they are. So it's not in a vacuum. And I teach a lot around, especially through adolescence, around the rites of passage of adolescence and how important it is as the community, whether it's the parent, the school, that there are moments of recognition and helping children and young adults to have time to reflect on who they are, what's important to them, what their values are, and being able to look forward into the next chapters with the strength of their community behind them and the knowing of who they are as they walk forward. So having various moments in time, rites of passage, whether it's a ritual or ceremonies or things like that, I teach families about how to take these moments to recognize and help the teen really anchor in who they are as a person in this world. So are there things that we can do as parents even before we get to the teen stage? For sure. So the first thing is establishing, you know, your connection and your relationship, right? So the first things that we do in order for us to maintain trust, maintain, um, you know, healthy communication is, is really, it's work, it's practice. So we have to learn the ways of setting the stage of how do we communicate with each other? How do I listen to you and understand who you are? And knowing that adolescence starts around the age of 12 and it goes till 25. So their brain is changing. Their whole body and brain are changing during that time period. And leading up to that, they're taking in all the information that they can from you. They're absorbing the world around them. At the age of 12, when their brain starts remodeling and changing, their perspective starts to change. So we have to change our perspective too. We have to understand that, um, we're here to guide them, not do it for them and not um, make all their decisions. We have to shift our way of parenting to um, become more collaborative and more curious. And that's those are the those are the things that I teach a lot of parents about is um, being curious and finding ways to create agreements and, you know, relational expectations that are in concert with a child, not to them, but with them. And you can start that at a much earlier age. Okay. So we're, we're coming out of this COVID time frame, trying to get back to what we think is normal. How can we help our teenagers or preteens through that process? Mm. Yeah, they, our teens have really taken a big hit in, in this process a lot because their whole understanding of themselves in this social environment. There's a lot of fear and worry, you know, about whether they're going to be okay. They're, some of them became delayed in some of their academics as well as social relating. So we have to just be patient and remember that we are social beings and we need social connection. And some of the most important things are A, maintaining a healthy relationship with you and the child and making sure that they, as we move back into 
um, you know, typical life or, you know, as, as typical as it's going to be that now that it's different, mm-hmm. um, that they're continuing to find the places where they belong, where they can have connection, friendship. And those are, those are some of the most important things and that they're learning the coping. So every child is going to be different. Some may tend towards a more depressive, you know, um, hopeless sort of feeling, and some may move towards a more anxious or worried sort of feeling. Um, and resilience is really, you can build resilience before trauma happens. You know, going through COVID could could be very traumatic, could have been very traumatic. Mm-hmm. But trauma is not the incident itself. It's how one recovers or responds to that incident and their own experience of it. So if they felt hopeless and helpless during that time, they may not have completed the cycle of feeling like they've got autonomy and ability to move forward. So they need to have opportunities to feel like they've been successful, that they're doing something productive, that they're doing something for themselves and feeling competent again. So the more that we can give them opportunities to feel competent, connected, and um, empowered in their choices, the more they will begin to um, bounce back from these challenges. Okay. What about social media? How Mm. is that benefiting or tearing up our teams? So what we find, you know, the data is really showing that it has, it can have a significant impact on um, the self-esteem and self-perception of this, of children. Now, there are some benefits to social media. There is still a sense of being connected and finding ways for them to feel like they're a part of something, particularly kids who are in marginalized groups. We find that kids who you know, maybe in the LGBTQ community or trans community, if they have felt marginalized in their social community, they can find places through social media where they can connect to people who they feel are more like them. Um, if they don't live in a community, that they do. So we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. The idea here is that we need to be in conversation with our kids. We need to not be, you know, because we all have a lot of fear. This is something in our generation, we didn't grow up with. So it is very foreign to us, but we have to understand that this is part of their culture. So we can't rip that away from them. We have to, again, go back to this idea of curiosity and connection, understand it, listen to it, ask them, you know, what they're looking at and help encourage them to follow things that are more uplifting and empowering and positive instead of taking them down the rabbit holes and making sure that, you know, we have to have time limits and things and reminding them that, you know, these devices are designed not, you know, by humans to actually hit dopamine circuits to keep you going back for more and more. And we have to help them to build the muscles of time management, understanding their own self-thinking and and processes and helping them to see, okay, I'm going down this place again, or I'm going to give myself a time limit. I'm going to do this thing, but you know, I have other priorities and helping them remember what's important to them and that this may not necessarily serve their priorities unless, 
you know, they're becoming a YouTube star and it's (laughs) their passion. They're getting that $1 million check in the mail. You want them on Exactly. (laughs) You know, the one in a million chance that you're going to be that person. Yeah. (laughs) Helping them to find other things, making sure they're involved in other activities that are physically active, that are connecting with other people, engaging with other people. You can't take it away completely, but you can invite them to limit it to certain times, you know, not at the very end of the day, maybe, you know, making sure that they're still prioritizing the things that they're responsible to, their school, their relationships, their friendships, their sports or whatever they're doing. And what we find is that kids who have more balanced activities and are connected in other ways, that this doesn't become the sole thing that drives their thinking and behavior. Oh, those are good points. Yeah. I like time limits. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I set time limits for myself. (laughs) Exactly. These are, these are normal executive functioning that we have learned how to do as adults. And, and depending on a person's, we have to, again, always going back to the bio-individuality of each person. Mm -hmm. We have different um, neuro Uh, capabilities. And some people have a more challenging time with their executive functioning than others. It doesn't mean that they can't, it just means they need more scaffolding and support to be able to do the things that they need to do and learn those skills. So again, we don't want to shame and blame and make the child feel bad for doing those things. All that's going to do is have them hide it and do it undercover. Instead, we want to just have like open and curious conversations and helping them to see the bigger picture of what their life has ahead of them and where should they be putting their time and attention and energy in all the avenues, right? Balance is, you know, having having a little bit of everything that helps to develop the whole human. So are there any closing thoughts? Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I have, I work with, I work with, again, both parents and teens. And one of the things that I really like to encourage parents who, you know, when I'm working with high school kids, you know, I've got parents who are spending all of their money and attention on making sure the kids have what they need. They've got tutoring, they've got, you know, their sports, they've got, um, you know, these different to get them towards the goal usually of college, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so they're spending a lot of money to do all these things. And it, and again, and I also work with athletes. So there's, there's a piece that I like to remind parents that if you're spending all this money on these things, are you, you know, is this your goal? Is this their goal? First of all, and we can't forget, and this is where parents sometimes you know, we get lost or like confused as to why our child all of a sudden, maybe they're a high functioning child and they're really anxious or they're all of a sudden having struggles. And just Mm -hmm. a reminder that we can't address their academics and the direction that they're going in their career without remembering that we need to address the mental health, physical health, the whole human of what's happening in their life. So if your child is beginning to struggle in any way, um, in your relationship, in um, peer relationships, in their academics, you, we have to remember that you it's not in a vacuum and that 
we need to look at a big picture to be able to get support. And not only does the child need support, but the parent needs support too. So I work with um, a college admissions coach. Um, we run a support group for parents of 11th and 12th graders, specifically because those kids are getting all kinds of coaching to get into college and do what they have to do to to you know, move towards this career. But the parents are there, you know, like having all their own feelings and all their own experiences and not really coping with them. And then that's impacting their relationship. Mm. So I like to remind parents that it doesn't matter whether you're having lots of challenges or a few challenges, you are still a human having experiences of your child preparing to leave the nest. And you can't ignore that. Those are really important things to attend to, even if it's just normalizing and, um, you know, connecting with other parents who are going through the same thing. Parents need to remember that they have needs too, <laughs> and that they're having experiences too. And if their goal, their end goal is for their child to be, you know, happy and have a good relationship with them for the rest of their life, we have to work on these things. It's, you know, it's not just for people who are having problems. It's for everybody to know that we all need support. We can't do it alone. So oh. that's probably something I want to make sure that that parents understand. Oh, that's a great place to end. <laughs> that was <laughs> wonderful. All right. Well, Giant Builders will have Amy's contact information below. And Amy, thank you so much. That was great information. I really appreciate your time. You are welcome. It's my pleasure. All right. See you, Giant Builders. Remember, we're on Tuesdays and Thursdays now, so check it out. Thank you for listening. This has been The Giant Builders with Lois Wyant.